Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his 18-year-old son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to episode 11 of The Kitchen Table, a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. And uh, episode 11 is here. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Brian. And I'm Jake. And every week we come to you to uh, discuss a faith question because we want to spur others, parents and their kids, whether they're teenagers, young adults, whatever, to have those faith conversations across the kitchen table, across the patio table. Any uh, table. It doesn't. We just like the kitchen table you, the best. And you know what? The kitchen, the table's not required. You can yeah, be on a couch. Yeah, just wherever. All right, so faith question today. Faith question for the week slash today is... How do I become a witness to my friends, to share God's word to my friends, Mm -hmm. but still be like accepted? Still be accepted. So how do I become a witness to my unsaved friends Mm -hmm. and uh, don't scare them away? The Bible clearly teaches that we as followers of Christ are to be different, Mm -hmm. distinct from the world. They talk about, use the words like to be set apart. There's a a separation there, but we have to also be careful. Yes, we're supposed to live godly lives in the midst of the world, which is ungodly, but we can't become reclusive and withdraw and just hide away. We we don't want to not make friends with those who don't follow Christ. Mm -hmm. We don't want to cut off all relationships with our unsaved friends when we accept Christ. That's not the way it works. To be separate from this world does not mean that we're supposed to withdraw to be unengaged, to isolate ourselves. Mm -hmm. Let's look to Scripture for this one. What did Jesus pray regarding our relationship with the unsaved world? Do you remember? John 17, he said, My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. He wants us to, in order for his, the mission of God to be completed, we have to be in this world. We can't just remove ourselves from it, mm-hmm. become this, you know, separatist movement where we just create this little compound and join together and we commune together and read scripture together and we shut everything else out. Yeah. That's not what God wants you to do. Philippians 2 says that we're supposed to become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in this warped and crooked generation. We still have to shine among the stars. We have to let our light through the way we live our lives following Christ be a witness to others. That's one part of it. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table. We're a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. little tidbit that I want to add to this is that I was fortunate enough to go to a Christian high school for the last three years. Freshman year, I went to a public school, but then I transferred, obviously. Mm -hmm. Even in the Christian school aspect, there were some Christians... But it was a Christian atmosphere, so it was a lot easier than a public school atmosphere. I also had the challenge. I worked at a a company. I'm not going to say it. I worked at a company that didn't really have a lot of Christian people in it. Everyone knew that I was a Christian. Everyone knew what my beliefs were and knew that I, I was an outspoken Christian in that. I was going to ask you, how did they know? Did oh, I just, I told them. I mean, well, they, with, knew what, they knew what school you went to. So yeah, obviously, I mean, they, knew obviously you... they knew I went to Grace Christian Academy, Christian in the name. You're working with these people for hours at a time and you just kind of have to become friends with them. You have to be, you have to, you, you just learn about everyone. Well, it always helps work relations yeah. if you do become friends yeah, yeah, with them. Yeah, exactly. So they knew that I was a Christian. They knew that I didn't work on Sundays because of my belief. We don't work on Sundays and I had to skip on Wednesdays because I had praise band practice. It was an obvious thing that I was a Christian. And the great thing was that it sparked conversations with my coworkers and my, my friends that were at work. 
just for an example, one of my coworkers, he, I wouldn't say he's an atheist, but he, what's the, what's the agnostic agnostic. Exactly. He's an agnostic and he would come to questions with me about what you believe in. How do you believe in this? Like, how do you believe that there is someone higher power than us? It's okay to answer. I don't know. And then come back later. That's one thing that I have learned. My Bible teacher even told me this. Um, Mr. Berg, if you're listening, thank you for this. <laughs> but it's okay to say, I don't know to a question and come back. Yes, you do have to do the study or go to a, a mentor that you have to find the answer. It's okay to say, I don't know. I feel like that's a thing that is fearful of Christians. They have to know everything at every point. And that's not a relationship with God. A relationship with God is to get to know him more throughout your your years. That's why... Older people tend to be wiser in their faith because they're older. They understand more. Do you think God allows, I don't know if allows the right word, permits us to have unbelieving friends? Does he want us to have unbelieving friends? I, I Yeah. If we are, I mean, we're all called the Great Commission, the end of Matthew, to go into all the world, uh-huh. sharing the gospel with them, baptizing them. We can't do that if... There's no non-believers. <laughs> exactly. It's like going and, and opening up a hospital for all well people. It doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. Paul talks about in uh, 1 Corinthians 10 is a certain situation, a hypothetical situation. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising question of conscience. And the whole issue there was he was talking about how meat that is offered to idols yeah. as a sacrifice or on the altar as a sacrifice uh-huh. Bible talks about not consuming that meat. That's God. Yeah. All right. Pagans, they don't care, man. They take the meat off. They're going to take it home. They're going to eat it, whatever, you know. Yeah. But what if that person invites you over? Do you eat it? I don't know. It's, that's a hard one. Well, this is what Paul envisions. An unsaved person inviting a saved person over for dinner. It's great. That's, you, you've been invited into their home. There's obviously a trust factor there. He did not instruct the church at that time to decline those mm-hmm. kinds of invitations. Rather, he gave them instructions, assuming their acceptance of it. So based on this, Paul is not advocating isolationism. He's saying Christians of the day shouldn't cut off all ties with unbelievers. There's a proper balance that comes into place when it comes to this, this separation from yeah. the world. We are to be, you've heard the phrase, we're to be in the world, but not of the world. Right, okay. We're always going to have relationships with unbelievers, and we are told very clearly to not behave like them. Yeah. The meat issue, that can be a whole (laughs) other podcast altogether to talk about the meat issue. But really, when it comes down to it, is it something that you're going to lose your faith over? No. Yeah. Not at all. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table. We're a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul tells the Corinthians to buy and eat meat that is sold in the uh, what's called the shambles, that's the meat market, right? Yeah. And to not ask whether or not it was first offered to idols. Why? Because the earth and all the fullness of God, that's what it says in verse 26, and all things are sanctified by prayer. Then in verse 28, Paul gives different instructions. If we Christians then go ahead and eat the meat, acknowledging that this was first offered to idols, what message are we then sending to our unsaved friends? And that's a real conundrum we're in. When you are a follower of Christ, you live in a fishbowl. I think I've probably told you this before. We we were missionaries in South America. Man, when you are a missionary living in another culture and everyone knows you're a missionary because they know you're not from there, you look different, you you know. You literally, you live in a fishbowl. They are watching your every move. Mm -hmm. And I saw this firsthand when I would have nationals, that's what we call people if they were from that nation, they would ask me questions about other things that they saw other missionaries do. Well, why (laughs) did they do this? 
and they couldn't understand why they did this. For example, we had a missionary that, you know, doing the tour here in the U.S. and, and raising money, they went back and they ripped out all the carpet in their house because they didn't like the color, and they bought all new furniture. Nationals, pastors especially, why did they do that? You know, because to them, carpet in itself is a luxury. Yeah. For them to tear out perfectly good carpet, that's and a luxury. And replace it, yeah. And replace it just because the color made no sense. And the furniture they had might have been old, but hey, Nicer than it was what? nice furniture. Yeah. And so they, they just couldn't understand that. We as believers, just like we as when we were missionaries, man, we have to watch everything we do that is our witness because people mm-hmm. are watching us so closely. Also, I think another way, we've kind of drifted from the, the faith question, but... We're still in the witness part. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like, I'm just thinking to friends and like to, like for teenagers especially. Yeah. I think if we as teenagers and as young adults, we don't need to push our religion on other people. You know what I mean by push? Like, like you're doing this wrong because you're you're not doing it for God's name. You're acting not as a Christian would. I think when we call people out on their garbage or... I think if we do that, it makes us look hypocritical because a lot of the times we mess up. We make mistakes. We don't act as Christ would. With the whole aspect of living in the culture but not of it, I think that's a way to really picture it. Like, don't force Christianity on other people. Spark conversations of Christianity with people, but don't make them sit there. Because a lot of the times, they're not going to want to listen to you if you're forcing it onto them. You're listening to The Kitchen Table. We are a father-son podcast discussing faith, music, and culture. Well, think about this. When we talk to our unsaved friends, we're to use wisdom, Mm -hmm. and we're going to speak graciously. We have to seek opportunities to witness to them in a manner that is unoffensive. Now, this is the hard part because, uh, you know, the Bible specifically says that the message of Christ is offensive and a stumbling stone. Oh, it is. So we must allow the message to be an offense, yes, because it is, Mm -hmm. but never allow ourselves to be offensive. A good example of this, I'll probably have people complain about this, and they might think I'm wrong. There's a guy out there who is constantly debating on creationism. Is cre- and this is a whole other podcast topic. Yeah. Creationism, uh, creation, did it happen in six days? Did it happen over thousands of years? Scripture specifically says six days and God rested on the seventh day. He's always debating people. Yeah. Offending people. And so when people ask me, what do you think of this guy? I'm like, how many people has he actually led to the Lord through all this debating. He's picked one issue, and he debates it constantly. I'm not going to give his name because I don't want to give him any plug, Mm -hmm. all right? What he's doing is offensive to people. It is. And when it comes down to it, it has nothing to do with our salvation. Mm -hmm. You know, if God wanted to literally create everything in six 24-hour periods, yes, he could have done it. Yeah. If God wanted to take thousands of years to create, God is, is infinite. Mm-hmm. He doesn't work on a calendar like we do. So it doesn't matter when it comes to our salvation. And so that's offensible. Yes, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive, but we have to present that graciously without ourselves becoming that offense. Yeah. It makes us look like we're on the defensive end. As you said, it doesn't matter to our salvation. It doesn't, you know, those corny like church signs that you see? Like uh, yeah. Independence Day, July 4th, our freedom, December 25th, like those. I saw one that said, just live with these people and get let them know me. I'll do the sorting. And I was yeah. like, that, that's super like, it's kind of funny, but like it's, impa- profound. it's, it's impactful. Profound, yeah. Yeah. You're listening to The Kitchen Table. We are a father-son podcast discussing faith, music, and culture. 
What is required in winning our unsaved friends to Christ when we witness to them? And again, trying to be accepted by them. And you know what? They might not accept it. Yeah, exactly. And they might even reject us as friends. You just have to be ready for that. Mm -hmm. We have to acknowledge first that they don't know who Jesus Christ, that they're unsaved, that they're living a sinful lifestyle. We have to acknowledge that. Um, We have to acknowledge that there is even the possibility they're going to reject the gospel. But still, we need to seek to witness. And that's either through direct conversation, Mm -hmm. seasoned in love graciously, or that's through modeling a transformed life. Yeah, Maybe that direct conversation doesn't work for somebody. Maybe they reject that, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. It doesn't end there. If you are still maintaining a friendship with this person, it doesn't end there. You modeling who you are through the love of Christ can be that catalyst. And it's not going to happen overnight. It doesn't happen that way many times. Um, So here's some thoughts just on this. Having friendships with unsaved friends for the purpose of witnessing and not companionship. Is that the reason why we have relationships with unsaved friends? It's not necessarily companionship. It's because the purpose of witnessing? I think that's like a 50-50 answer. You know what I mean? You obviously are making friends because you want to have friends. Right. Our mission as Christians is to make disciples. Right. So I think it's kind of like a 50-50. Like, yes, it's to have friends, but also to... It's not our end-all purpose in a relationship when someone maybe is, is rejecting it. We're still going to be your friend, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, Some other things to remember. Do not allow any of your actions to be misconstrued as acceptance of your friend's sinfulness. Yeah. Just because you're friends with them and they do certain things, you can't condone that at all. You still love them. Yeah. Right? Do not create undue offense by being overbearing or judgmental. Mm. Maintain your right testimony at all times. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard. That's really hard. Speaking from my experience, you have to make sure that you're in the right place with God. Exactly. Before you go and witness to your friend. This is my favorite example that you've probably given me in my entire 18 years of living. You and mom both say that surround yourself with good people and you'll become a good person. Surround yourself with bad people. It tends to lead you to bad decisions. It's like you're a white rag and you get dirt on it. Yeah. It's hard to get that dirt out. It's really hard. You have to work at it. You have to work at it. We need to use wisdom in seeking the appropriate opportunities to share the gospel in meaningful ways. Yeah. Timing's everything. And really, when you rely on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will prompt you when a situation arises. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to separate a friendship if it becomes a hindrance to our spiritual life. Yeah. And that, that definitely can happen. Something with the timing as well. God's timing is perfect. Don't rush it. If your friend is giving, like, he's getting over annoyed with all of the, the Christian talk, then kind of lay back on it. We live for eternity with God, but we want our friends to have that. And we have the assurance as Christians that we have that eternity. But God's timing is perfect. He has a plan for everyone who is getting saved. And just let that time happen. Be patient. I know it's hard to be patient, but it's so worth it in the end. That was right here on my list. Be patient. I got you, Dad. Look at that. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table. We're a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. A good example from my life and the importance of truly knowing someone before you present the gospel to them. I'm a firm believer in this because unless you know somebody, Mm -hmm. how do you know what their spiritual need is? How do you relate to them? Well, a good example. When I was in high school, I was filming a football game 
And so I'm up on top of the crow's nest mm-hmm. camera, and I'm, it was an away game. I don't remember what town it was, but <laughs> they also had the home team. Their crew was right next to me and filming. You know, we're in halftime. The camera guy, who was also a high school student from yeah. that, he comes over and he starts telling me how much I need Jesus. And I'm like, really? One, you don't know me. Two, did you have a conversation with this guy at all? Like, I, I, we hadn't talked prior to that. Just out of the blue. Just he, out of the blue. Man. And I, and I said, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ now, and, and you don't even know me, and you just come at me assuming that I'm just I'm a sinner and I need him, and I've got him, man. Oh, my word. I said, that's not really a good way of doing this because it can be offensive to someone who knows it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Nonetheless, you can't fix people's problems. Yeah. We want to. A lot of times that's our mentality. I'm a fixer. I want to fix problems. And a lot of times... Yeah, I got that from you too. Yeah. You just have to realize that God is the one who can fix the problems. He can utilize you to speak words of hope and encouragement to those people. Also, something that I've been doing ever since I moved into college, I do a a morning devotional every day. Community Cup is a church that I go to. Great church. If you're in Bourbon A area, go. It's amazing. Free plug. Free plug. Love you, Mario. Plug bell. Plug bell. Oh, is, is that a thing now? Okay. In his sermons, he talks about how he prays to be used every day. So I've been starting to do that. And it's actually working. Like, I've had people in college who I know and, like, I've met. They're upperclassmen. I'm from the area, so I know a lot of upperclassmen. I can see God working in ways that he's using me. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. If you're up for the challenge, it's a challenge, but it's a good challenge. It's, a, it's, a, it's healthy for our relationship with God. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table. We're a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. Okay, let's get practical. You mentioned prayer. Yes. These are ways to pray so that you can be a witness to your friends and not drive them away. One, you got to pray for your chance to share your faith. Lord, please give me openings. Then you have to pray to be ready to share your faith. Pray for the opportunities. God's going to send them your way. That's just the way it is. Pray for discretion in sharing your faith. There's a time and a place to talk. There's also a time and a place not to talk. So you want to pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you in that. Pray for words to share your faith. You can prepare things, be ready many times, but then at the same time, you can't be ready for every situation. Mm -hmm. It could be something completely different. The way you can prepare, you've already sort of mentioned this, you, you are walking with God. You are studying. You are memorizing scripture. Yeah reading books, trying to learn more about how to better communicate your faith in everyday situations like this. You can't know ahead of time exactly what the issues that are going to come up when you're talking to a friend, but just uh, pray for the words, and God will provide those words. Pray for patience to listen when you share your faith. So important, so important for you to listen. If you can't hear the person that is talking to you in this conversation, then more than likely that person's not going to be able to hear you as well. People want to be listened to. I think that's a big thing about the relationship aspect. Like you said, we need to get to know the person before we witness to them. You can't have a relationship if it's just you talking. You have to get to know the person. You have to listen to the person. You need to find out what they're pro- like, what they're struggling with, what their questions are, and I think that will help build it as well. Pray that God will prepare not only you, but also prepare your friend's heart and mind as you share your faith with them. Only God can do this. It's not you. It's only God that's going to be able to do this. And then finally, you want to pray to thank God for the opportunity because the opportunity is going to glorify God. Amen. Ways to pray. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table. We're a father-son podcast talking about faith, music, and culture. Final little segment on this one. How we witness to our non-believing friends. The best way to do that is starting conversation. You have to know somebody. You have to develop a level of trust. You need to ask questions real simple in conversation. When you meet somebody for the first time, hey, where do you live? Where do you work? 
What do you do for fun? Are you a fan of football? Which team do you follow? Do you yeah. have a hobby? Where do you go after class? Do you hang yeah. out at Starbucks? Those are just basic questions. Yeah. That's the first step. The entry-level conversations that have to take place. Once you have those out of the way, then you can get into more of the understanding who that person is, get into their personal life deeper. So there are the entry-level conversations that take place using those kinds of questions. There are many entry points that will be verbal, but there will also be entry points that are nonverbal. Yeah. Verbal entry points when it comes to opportunities. You want to listen to sort of like these words that pop up in conversation. And this has happened to me. They mentioned the word church, religion, the Bible. You know, those are words that are overt statements, easy to get into. Mm -hmm. But also you want to listen for words like death or dying, hope, peace, fear, depression, despair. These open doors to much deeper conversations. Nonverbal entry points you can keep an eye out for, facial expressions and nonverbal actions that will signal a person's need, a desire to open up on more serious topics. You need a level of sensitivity. Some nonverbal expressions that are more overt could be they have a, a cross somewhere on their clothing, maybe a tattoo, yeah. whatever. Their dietary practices, that could be a faith-aligned thing that, that, that happens. Around religious holidays and how they behave and celebrate religious holidays. Yeah. An entry point might be symbolic, again, with clothing, hairstyles, body markings. They might have some jewelry, like a you know gold cross or something, mm-hmm. T-shirt that says something. Do not look for these expressions of faith in order to criticize somebody, in order to judge them, condemn them, debate them. We don't want to marginalize them. We want to look for them in order to understand, in order to build caring relationships with this person, because it's those caring relationships through which we can share our faith as we also learn about where they are on some sort of faith journey. Mm-hmm. Also, another thing, if you want to see slash read a great example of loving and sharing God's Word, Bob Goff, Everyone Always, amazing book, and it's a great way to have an example. Bob Goff. Yeah, Bob got free plug. But it's a great way. Like, Dad made me read this book, and I, I haven't finished it yet, but I love it so far. And it's a great example and great encouragement to share God's Word with people. Second step, once we have the entry point conversations, is the investigative questions. Once we see that opportunity and we take that door, we need to do those investigative questions. Here's some investigative questions. Do you ever look at a beautiful scene in nature and wonder how this all got here? What happens when someone dies? How did this world get into such a mess? And then more obvious things like, uh, were your parents religious people? Do you think there's a God? Hmm. What do you think about faith? Just some different questions, you know, that can go deeper into the investigation of who that person is. And then the uh, third step is the conversion discussions. True or false? Our greatest reason to exist is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who do not yet know him. True or false? I would say false. Because I think we need to also share God's word, but also act on God's word. So it's kind of like a trick trick answer. You know what I mean? That statement doesn't encompass everything. Okay, then never mind. True. Okay, yeah. It's up to us as followers of Christ to live that life, to grow in him every day. A huge part of the reason we exist is to share that with other people. That's why it's so important that we seek to engage unbelievers in the conversation discussions that take place questions that will go even further into this conversion discussion. Who is God and what's he like? What is my relationship of accountability to this God? What is sin and how am I affected by it? Do I cease to exist when I die? 
Who is this Jesus Christ person that appears in the Bible? Those are questions that are going to open it up to so many more people. Your relationship with your friends, seasoned in love, mm-hmm. gracious speaking, pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and they might reject you verbally talking to them about it. Continue to live your life as a witness, a life transformed as a witness to them. Continue to show them love, and that could be the thing that brings them around. Yeah. We are to be in the world, but not of the world. We are to love, bottom line. Yeah. We are to love everybody, always. Free plug again. Bang, Thanks, bang. Bob Goff. Now it's time for Music Matters. All right, I have a uh, new song from a rock band. Hmm. We've seen these guys live together, haven't we? Uh, No, I went with Uncle Lee. You went with Uncle Lee. You went with Lenny. Yeah, okay. Did we see him at Winter Jam ever? Yeah, we did. Okay. We saw him at Winter Jam. Yeah. Uh, the band is Red, one of the uh, top Christian rock bands. They're great, great guys. We've had them in the studio here. Their uh, CD Gone, which I think came out last year, 2017. Yeah. yeah. There's a cover song on there, which means cover song means someone else has recorded this. They've actually, in their history, they've done only two cover songs. Really? This one is a song called Unstoppable, which was originally recorded by the Australian singer Sia. Uh, oh, yeah. Sia, she's kind of odd look. She has hair that like covers yeah, most of her face. Yeah, she doesn't like to show her face, Yeah, so she wears a wig. We'll only play a little clip of it for you because that's all we can do by law. <laughs> Unstoppable Red. And remind you, this is, a, this is a mainstream singer that wrote this song. Yeah. But it says, I put my armor on to show you how strong I am. They're talking, of course, and taking it from the spin that they are unstoppable when they put on the armor of God. So here's a little bit yeah. of Red Unstoppable. A, that's a good new take on it. I uh, I've heard this little the more origi- I've heard the original song, but yeah, it's a little rocky. Yeah. My song for the week is "Anxiety" by Andy Mineo. Andy Mineo is hands down my favorite rapper, my favorite Christian rapper. I love Andy's music. He's amazing. But "Anxiety" is actually a song about anxiety, obviously, and it's just it's really encouraging because in this day and age, I feel like there's so much anxiety, depression, like. Just all of that stuff. It's been going on for so long. And it's just a good reminder that even in our anxiety and even in our in our hard times, that God is still with us. So here's a little listen on Anxiety by Andy Mineo. Try to breathe for a second. We saw him. We saw him live. Great show. All right, so now we're going back quite a few years. The oldie but goldie. Oldie but goldie. This is one of my favorite groups from 70s and 80s, okay? In fact, I've followed the members of that group. You know, the, you know you say that a lot about every band, I right? know, but you know, this one I really like because <laughs> this one, uh, the lead singer went on to do a solo career, which I loved, and the lead guitarist went on to be in another band, which I love, and I'll get to that in a second here. Sweet Comfort Band, California band. Oh, I've never heard of them. The lead singer is Brian Duncan. Okay, I've heard of him. Okay, who had great songs in uh, the 90s as a solo career. It was Brian Duncan, the original three, and then brothers Kevin and Rick Thompson. They started in 73, Southern California, and then in 76, Randy Thomas joined them as lead guitar. Now, Randy, I also love, seen him perform a few times. Mm. Uh, Randy is who started the group called The Allies with Bob Carlisle. 
I know the name Bob Carlyle. You know the song Butterfly Kisses? Yes. Okay. Well, the Allies did many albums. They were more of a rock group, too. Bob Carlyle's got a credible voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Bob did solo albums, but him and Randy always worked together. In fact, they they built their own studio together, and Randy and Bob wrote Butterfly Kisses. Really? Which, I mean, that thing sold millions of copies yeah, and, and basically set them for life. We're going to go back to Sweet Comfort Band, one of my absolute favorite songs from them. I don't think this was a big charter, and the only reason I'm bringing it back is because I saw a video that went viral a few weeks ago of Brian and some of the original Sweet Comfort guys doing this song again. Really? And I was like, man, and they sounded so good <laughs> in 2018, like it was just like 1984. This is off of the 1984 record, Perfect Timing. The, the song is called Prodigal's Regret, and the lyric is, never should have left you. So it's that whole prodigal yeah. son. Mm-hmm. And just the raw emotion of Brian's vocal in singing this song. So Sweet Comfort Band, The Prodigal's Regret, Never Should Have Left You. Now I'm standing in your shadow Waiting as the tears begin to fall I never should have left you I still love it that you made me listen to your iPod because I I remember hearing that song, actually. It's a great one. It is. It's just an amazing song. All right, so that's Music Matters. Time for some culture shock. So this culture shock, I found this. It could be turned into a faith question, but to me it's just practical what's happening today in our society. How many times have you heard, God will never give you more than you can handle? A lot. In my opinion, that is the biggest lie in Christianity. What, oh, I, what they've done is they've taken that. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and they've kind of twisted it, and the Bible never says God will never give you more than you can handle. Because the fact of the matter is God is going to give you more than you can handle. Here's yeah. why. Our faith needs to grow. Everything we know about God, we've had to learn, and we need to continue to learn. Little by little, we are learning how to trust him our baby faith needs to grow up. Mm -hmm. We we do that when he gives us too much. We grow in our faith through trials. We talked about temptations and trials last week. Yeah, we did. We we grow in our faith because of those things. Yeah. Think about David goes up against Goliath. Did he just like, you know, he's out. Are you talking about Junior the Asparagus? No. And then like the giant? No. Talking about the David, (laughs) the Goliath. you got to reference the VeggieTales because that VeggieTales remix, if you haven't seen it, go look it up because it's amazing. (laughs) But David didn't just go face Goliath right away. Yeah. David fought a lion. David fought a bear. God was preparing him along the way. Another thing when it comes to God giving us more than we can handle, why does that happen? Our self-reliance needs to die. And this is a huge part of our culture today in the U.S. We live in the world which encourages us to be our own person, to when we fall down, we lift ourselves up, we pull up the bootstraps. You yep. probably heard that expression. Yes. When the fact of the matter is the Bible says we must lean on God. It's not on our own abilities, and that's why. That's exactly why he will give us more than we can handle. Yeah. But you know what? He can handle it. We can't. Mm-hmm. He can handle anything. We need to learn about God's character. God is faithful, and we need to learn about that faithfulness. No one loves you more than God does. His love is the greatest love that exists. He is faithful. He is patient. Got to be patient, but you got to be long-suffering when you're dealing with a lot of us, right? And he doesn't care how long it takes us. He's staying. Fourth and final way that we need to realize that God does give us more than we can handle. 
God's going to get the glory. And we actually talked about that earlier when we're talking with our unsaved Christian friends. God is the one who gets the glory. Others are watching us, the fishbowl. If you claim to be a Christ follower, they are watching you closely. When we go through the difficult things, God gives us the strength to do it. People notice the difference. Yeah. When tragedy strikes us as followers of Christ, and we react to it in a way that is not normal, people notice the difference. How are we able to react in a way that is not normal? It's not because we're doing it. Because God's doing it. That's right. God gets all the glory. You know, if it were true that God would never give, never give us more than we can handle, think about this. We wouldn't need God at all. Valid. But the fact of the matter is, we do. We need Him every single day. It's like the song. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. So not necessarily culture, but I thought it was important to get that It, it, it very is important. All right, that that's is. Culture Shock. Thanks again for letting us uh, hang out with you this week. We hope you enjoyed the show, talking about this way of witnessing to our unsaved friends and seasoning it with love and encouraging them. The music that we shared with you, go out and listen to it. We'd love for you to uh, discover new music. And then, of course, uh, just realizing that we need God more than anything else. Amen. We need Him. We can't do it on our own. He can take care of everything. Again, if you have a faith question you want us to discuss, you know, we can come up with them all the time, but we would much rather talk about what you want to talk about. Please let us know. Jump on Facebook. Go to the Shine.fm Chicago Facebook page. We have the kitchen table group there. Just ask to be a part of that group. We'll let you in, and uh, we discuss things further there. And we would love for you to uh, get in there as well. Also, yeah. follow us on social media. You can follow me on Twitter, Brian Utter. Utter underscore Butter 99. You can uh, tweet us there as well. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a great week, guys. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.